Come on, let's give it up for the cross of Jesus Christ. All you who are grateful for the cross, proclaim your love and gratitude for the cross. Amen. How many are grateful for what Jesus did for you on the cross today? I tell you what, sometimes the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? So I got to say, once in a while, I'm so thankful that I was redeemed, and I was redeemed on Calvary. I was redeemed on the cross. It was for you. It was for me. All of us should be grateful this morning. Amen? You know, the cross conquers the divides of culture. It's not going to be our arguments, our great points. Christians are not called to make a point. We're called to make a difference. And so in order for us to be able to conquer some of the things that are dividing and uh, divisive and discordant in our culture today, it's going to be drawing people to the cross. And the only place that people are really getting drawn to the cross is through the church. The Bible says through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known. So we're the hope of the world. We cannot let divisive Uh, spirits. We cannot let bigotry come into the local church. Jesus, when he died for us, all I know is he wasn't preoccupied with what was on the outside. He was preoccupied with what was going on on the inside. And when he bled, he bled red. And when I bleed, I bleed red. Everybody, all y'all, as my wife would say, all y'all bleed red. And so it's the blood of Jesus that was shed for you and me on that cross that draws and unites and heals and restores and reconciles the people back to him and to each other. But we first have to be reconciled to God before we can be reconciled with each other. Can I have a big amen out there? And so we've been given, the church has been given, according to 2 Corinthians 5, the ministry of reconciliation. That means we should leave here, go out there, and something in our life reconciles the world back to itself. The hope of the world is not going to be through government, through programs. And I got nothing against, we, we, Boston did a good job in the, you know, yesterday, but it's not going to be through protests. It's going to be through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to do it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I tell you what, why don't you just uh, bow your heads and uh, let's just t- maybe touch your neighbor, uh, put a hand on a shoulder, or maybe hold a hand if you feel comfortable to do so. I'm just going to pray over the service and over us and over every minute. Lord, uh, I just thank you for the opportunity to speak your word in a world that is filled with hate and with fear, with intimidation, with unfortunately bigotry and prejudice, all kinds of human cruelty. You have called us, your church. Imperfect though it may be, you have called us to help and to save and to rescue this world. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. And your word tells us we will humble ourselves. We don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but we humble ourselves and we pray and we seek your face and we turn from the wicked ways of the world that you will heal our land. And I'm asking you, God, to use us to heal our land. The church is the hope of the world. I will say it until you return on that glorious day through the eastern sky. The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. We accept as your local church that assignment that bestowed upon us. And I pray that you would use us. I ask that you use this time 
uh, for your purposes and for your glory, that you would activate those that are deactivated, that you would equip, that you would empower, that you would edify those that are here this morning because people matter to you. And in order for us to be able to make a difference with people, we got to learn how to be difference makers here as your people. So God, I pray that somebody here hear a word from God, uh, that they would open their ears to what the Spirit is saying, that they would be quickened in their, in their inner man, in their mortal bodies as well, and that you would do something great today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be good. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to welcome all our online and cable viewers, and uh, thank you for joining us for this service. I also want to welcome all of you who are new here today. Uh, I'm the lead pastor of Connect Community Church, and for all of you who have been here a long time, I'm still the lead pastor of Connect Community Church. If you didn't know, I've been away a little while, and somebody was beginning to wonder. Um, <laughs> I miss you guys. I miss my church, and uh, it's so good to be back uh, in the presence of the Lord, in your presence as a spiritual family. Uh, it's just uh, a blessing. I got to travel quite a bit. A lot has happened uh, while I've been away, and i um, been able to just kind of have some vacation, which was good. How many know is sometimes, sometimes you got to get away, and you got to refresh everybody? And I had some great family time, one of my best vacations ever uh, with my family. Um, and, and then had some travel, speaking in some other churches that uh, connect influences, and that was a joy. But I always go away, and I'm always thankful for my home church. And uh, I can't help it, but I, this, don't tell anybody this, but I compare. You know what I mean? I do a little bit of that, and, and I just, just, there's just nothing like home. And I'm not saying we're better than, but we're better off. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And so anyway, tons happened. Uh, this has been a crazy, like, I don't know, my wife's better with time period, six months. Uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter got married. Uh, my, uh, my, I just dropped my youngest, my caboose, the last of the line off in college just this last week. And how many know I'm going to be a granddaddy? Come on, somebody. Yeah. My nickname's going to be Big Poppy. Come on, somebody. That's what it's going to be. So, Big Poppy. So, that's going to be fun, and I can't wait to spoil that kid rotten. Ha! Revenge! Praise the Lord. <laughs> Isn't that what grand, grandparenthood is all about, right? It's about revenge. Praise the Lord. I haven't had candy in 20 years, but I'm already storing it up. Somebody check my cabinets. <laughs> Hey, well, you can get your worship guides out. Um, I have a word for you, and I'm pretty fired up about it. We had a powerful first service, and I'm just believing I can continue to carry the, the, the same anointing and word uh, to you this morning. How many ready for a word? Yeah. You know, sometimes you receive the word, but sometimes you get a word, a word. It's like a, it's a, it's a big word, but it's a rhema. It's like it's a personal word from God for you, and I hope that you're opening up your heart's in your minds right now. There's nothing fancy about this message. It is, it is sort of a prophetic message. Not pathetic, in case you th misunderstood what I said. So prophetic. It's kind of a forth-telling. It's, it's calling for something. And, and, and it's really addressing where you are right now in your spiritual journey. And, and really, the goal would be to activate you and to move you. God, God uh, you know, definition of success is to take you from where you are to where you need to be. Amen. And so I, I want to have a talking, maybe not talk back, but a talk up to me, church. I want you guys to, to speak to me during this message and let me know that you're listening and let me know you're hearing what I'm saying. 
because uh, it'll encourage me, but it also encourage you in the process. Amen? So today's message is entitled Cave Dwellers. And I don't know, um, I, I was, uh, my education was cartoons when I was a kid, and uh, that's why I am the way I am. Sorry about that. But I can remember watching this particular show uh, back, oh, I don't know, 70s, 80, early 80s. It was called Land of the Lost. Does anybody remember that? Right? And if you don't remember that, for the five that did, praise the Lord, this is so relevant, um, there was this people, not really people group, there was like these aliens, and they were called the Slee Stack. And the Slee Stack lived in caves. And, 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 and they, were, they were evil, they did bad things, they were, they were messed up. And, and, uh, and that's where I got this message idea. Okay, so that's my segue. <laughs> he went away, and that's all he's got. Yeah, all right. No, but I have been talking about uh, caves during the David series, but I, I saw some stuff in the Word uh, that just kept hitting me over and over again and um, with some external influence and some study and some different things and just prayer. Um, it just seemed to me that when I, when I read the Word of God that uh, when you're going through a difficulty, when people are afraid, when people are upset about something, especially if it's continuous or it's chronic, they run to a cave. They run to a cave. They go to a cave and they hide in a cave. And some that go into caves come out and some don't. Some don't come out. Some are stuck in a cave. Some are sealed in a cave that becomes something else. And it's, I think this is really relevant to some of you here today. But the first reference in the Bible for this kind of idea, this reality, it merges in the book of Genesis with a character some of us know and some of us don't know, but his name is Lot. L-O-T. And uh, Lot's not talked about a lot, but Lot in the Bible uh, was leaving the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, these two evil cities that God was, was going to destroy. And he was leaving those cities in obedience to God, following God. Uh, unfortunately, his wife didn't follow the instructions and the prescription of God, and she turned back. And some of you guys know the story. She turned into a pillar of salt. Amazing, like crazy if you can just imagine that uh, but um, he began a little while after that this amazing experience where he was saved and he was rescued and it was obvious that God's hand was on his life he began to waver in his faith he began to to uh, fall away uh, sometimes uh, you know we would call it in modern Christianity backslide uh, drift um, and 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 he became depressed and he became dejected. And in that state of mind, he found a cave and he hid in it. And I hope you can see all along the way in every illustration I give you some of the parallels to people's lives, maybe yours, as I begin to communicate some of this stuff to you. But in Genesis chapter 19, verse 30, the Bible says, to back up what I was just saying, afterward Lot left Zoar because he was what? Afraid. Everybody say that with me. He was afraid. See, sometimes uh, we, we have certain emotions that come on us or that we accept or receive. I, I, by the way, I say you have to make choices to have certain mindsets. Mindsets just don't happen. You have to have them. You have to choose them. But he became afraid, and he was afraid of the people. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes it's someone. Sometimes it's something. But in this case, it was a people group. And what did he do? He went to live in a cave. He went to live in a cave. And while he's in this dark place, he gets drunk. 
And by the way, nothing good happens in darkness. Nothing good happens in darkness. That's why the Bible tells us to flee darkness and run to the light. So, so he's in this cave and he gets drunk in this cave. And, and, and in the cave, his world begins to cave in on him in the process. And, he, and in this dark place, uh, fear and worry and depression and all these things start to come upon him and come over him. And these emotions that were over him can come over you and they tend to drive you uh, to a cave, to a dark place. And these types of emotions will do, make you do things that you regret. Have you ever done something you regret? I guarantee you, you are probably headed to a cave or deep inside a cave. And again, sometimes we're looking at this thing the wrong way. We're just thinking of it uh, in, a, in a literal sense, but just a figurative sense. Uh, this isn't in your notes, but maybe it'll come up on the screen. But a cave is a dark room where you develop your negatives. When I was a young man, we, we didn't have digital phones. So some of you young people, there was this thing, it was called a camera. And it had this thing in it called film And you had to take that film and you had to take the negatives from that film and you would have to go into a dark room to develop your negatives. And while I was thinking about that illustration, I was like, that's exactly what the enemy does in our lives. He tries to uh, get us to develop our negatives. Where is that done? In dark places, in caves. Some of you have been developing your negatives. You're good at it. You, if, if you were to re, you know, just pull a picture out of your life, if you were to you know, scroll through some and flash through some of the pictures in your life, you would see a lot of negatives. And I can promise you they were all developed in dark places. They were developed in a cave. You can become paralyzed from your purpose when you're in the caves of life, in the caves of life, as you even walk into the cave, your vision becomes blurry in a cave, doesn't it? You see a little less of the light, a little less of the light, a little less of the light. It goes from blurry to blindness. Eventually, when you're in a cave, you can't see clearly. You do not know what is happening. You can't see through the front windshield or the rear view mirror. None of it's working because you're completely blind because you have gone into a cave because of some of the things that have happened to you in your life. It seems like, and this is another thing I wrote down, over and over again when God's people, all throughout the Bible you see this, get in trouble when they get off track, when they get offline, where do they run? To a cave. To a cave. And I think we do too. I think when we get off track, when we get offline, we don't run to healthy places. We don't run to high places. We run to low places, dark places, unhealthy places. And in those places and spaces, we make some stupid mistakes. There's another example that I could give tons. You could talk about Israel and the Philistines and enemies that, you know, there's, there's these physical examples in the Old Testament that can relate to spiritual, relational, or emotional sometimes in the new. You can sometimes see things that are concealed and contained in the old that are revealed and explained in the new. But in the old, I like to use the old and try to bring it into a new um, vernacular or a new context. But in Judges chapter 6, verse 2, this is during the time of Gideon. Gideon we'll talk about a little bit more later. But uh, the, the people at this particular time that are oppressing the people of God are the Midianites. And it says, because the power of Midian was so oppressive... The Israelites prepared, 
Look what they did right away when that happened. They prepared shelters for themselves in the clefts of the mountain and in caves, and they made strongholds for themselves. What did they do? As soon as there was an attack, as soon as there was some external pressure, whether it be from people, places, or things, whatever it is, what did they do? They ran to caves. They ran to caves. Now, in the, we have a, a natural man and we have a spirit man, and they're, they're at war with each other. We're in church. We are learning for that spirit man to, be, to, first of all, get nourished, but also get activated to lead so that that natural man doesn't win by default. But the default of a natural man, the normal reaction or default of a natural man when you are afraid, depressed, rejected, you name it, whatever it is, is to always go to a cave. You have to fight that tendency and that default. And you've been given the power to do so in Jesus. So the same is true uh, for just what happened with, with Gideon and his followers. Just the same thing is true that happened for a lot is true for us. But of course, it's not a physical cave. It's an emotional cave. It's a cave where many of you go into mild to serious depression. Some of you are in an emotional cave of depression. Some of you are in places where you've been, you've allowed the price of betrayal to take its toll and a great cost has accrued as a result of that and because you've stayed in a cave, you've made residence, you've taken home and uh, refuge in a cave and it's in that place where you feel rejected, dejected. You name the emotional attack but you, you are isolated now. In a cave. Nobody can help you because nobody can see you there. You've hidden yourself from the wise and prudent. You've kept yourself from access to light. And so when we get hurt and when we get betrayed and we get falsely accused or whatever it is, we often retreat to a cave. And when we're in that cave, again, what over time eventually will happen is you'll begin to cave in. You'll begin to cave in. And that isolation, my daddy taught me this years ago, but that this is kind of big words, so hang on, put your thinking cap on. But isolation is the seedbed of idolatries. In other words, what causes things to grow and take over the ultimate expression of your worship, which should be God, we should have no other gods before who? Me. This is one of the commandments of God. I shall have no other gods before me. He doesn't say you can't have other loves, but nothing before him. But what happens is when we get isolated, he gets dethroned and other things, other gods take the throne of your life. Is everybody with me? Poke your neighbors, say, wake up. This is good preaching. Come on, poke them, poke them, poke them. Because I'm actually thinking about some people right now, okay? So I'm not boring. You're just letting the devil take you over. Okay, so I'm just going to call it like it is. Okay. So here we go. So, so isolation, when you get isolated, basically what happens is uh, other things begin to take over your life. Isolation leads to idolatry. Idolatries are basically when you, be, the big word is bondage, and every bondage is built on a lie, and these lies get in your head. When you're by yourself, you're going to listen, love, and follow your lies. You're gonna, because you're, it's just you. You're going to always lose those arguments because you by yourself. Like my Louisiana Cajun friends say, the worst place to be is by yourself, down by the bayou. That's funny. I don't care what you say. 
Let me show you three dangers about caves, okay? Three dangers about caves. First, we'll look at Joshua chapter 10 in just a second. And the context of the story is Joshua defeats his enemies, five different armies. When he defeats these five armies, what is typical of a battle, a great battle in the Old Testament is they would protect the kings and the kings would try to get away so there could be a continuation of leadership, some resurgence, maybe some rebellion later on could, could come back, but basically you always protect them. And so these five kings of these five defeated armies go hide in a cave and Joshua finds out about it. So number one, write this down. Three dangers about a cave. If you retreat and hide in a cave long enough, it will become your prison. Again, see the parallels here. And so in this text, these kings think they're going to hide and get away with it. But that, that place in the cave became their prison became their prison. Joshua 10, 16, it says, Now the five kings had fled and hidden in the cave of Makeda. And when Joshua was told that the five kings had been found hiding in the cave of Makeda, he said, Roll large rocks up to the mouth of the cave and post some men there to guard it. So, so they went to hide, but where they hid became a prison. Is everybody with me? See, I, I'm not going to sit here and glorify the devil here this morning and basically talk about sad stories and horrible things that have happened to me and, and, and because it's happened to you too. Have you been rejected anybody out here before? Anybody have been hurt real bad? Anybody betrayed? Yeah, it stinks. Absolutely. And, 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 and maybe you think your thing's bigger than somebody else's. It ain't. That's bad English, but it's good preaching. It ain't. It's all proportionate anyway. And if, and if it is, somebody else is worse than yours. And, they're, and, they're, and I can always, and God can always point you to somebody else whose circumstances are worse than yours, and they're overcoming in Jesus' name, by the way. So you might as well get over it. You might as well get over yourself. Hmm. Hmm. He's back. Okay. <laughs> so I know what it's like to be hurt, to be betrayed, to be rejected, to be persecuted, to experience deep emotional pain, and you do too. I was recently talking to a man he, uh, uh, that, that I knew for many, many years, and he was fired from his job, 33 years of faithful service. And, and I believe, right or wrong, that he was falsely accused of, of something, and there was just a witch hunt within the company, and, and he was let go. And he was telling me in so many words, it's so tempting to go right to a cave. You have your stories. You have your situations. And when those things happen, the normal, natural reaction is to run to a cave. And I'm just telling you, you got to stop doing that. Saying, that's it? Yeah, right now, that's it for right now. You just got to make a decision to see. See, the truth that you know will set you free. You have to see. That's the default. I have to stop that right there. Stop payment to that method, that plan, that, that default that happened so many times in my life. The point is, you know and I know what it's like to go through some hard times and suffer for it, but the enemy wants to take what happened to you, and he wants to use it to do two things, to define you, redefine you, and also to confine you. See, he's trying to rewrite the scripts of the identity that you have and say, you're not this, you're this, and he's also trying to say, because of what you did, you can't do that. Is everybody, he wants to define and he wants to confine you because of, of these emotional lies that come into your life. And if you don't get over it, I'm speaking as your pastor, but I'm also speaking hopefully as the voice of God to you today. If you stay offended, if you stay rejected, 
If you stay depressed and oppressed, if you continue to go to that hiding place instead of the hiding place of the most holy God, if you continue to go to that place, then basically it will become your prison. And that's not somebody else's fault. That's not somebody else's decision. It's of your own volition that you choose to stay in the back of the cave. Once it becomes a prison, something else can happen. It can actually go from, from bad to ugly. And in the next verse, Joshua calls out these kings. Listen to what he does. He calls out the kings that were in the ca- hiding in the cave. Oh, you're in the cave? I'm calling you out. Now I'm just going to make... It's, Old Testament's graphic, okay? Because God always worked in the context of a culture, and it was war, and it was battle, and that's how God became known, and so that's how he does it. And man, I wish I could explain more about that, but, you know, stay with us a few weeks, and you'll figure it out. But basically... Uh, In this particular time, he calls these kings out. He kills the kings. He hangs them. Now, that's not the main point I was just getting ready to make. But what he does is, listen, symbolic. He puts them back in the cave and puts a stone over it, and he buries them there. The cave where they were hiding became their grave where they died. Joshua 10, 22 through 27, I'll skip down, but basically in verse 27, and Joshua at sunset gave the order and they took them down from the poles, threw them back into the cave where they had been hiding. Here's number two. Basically, if you don't come out of the shadows, if you don't decide to come out of the darkness, if you don't come out of the past hurt and the pain, if you don't come out of living in disappointment, living you know, in regret, in resignation, in rejection, you fill in the blank. It will become a prison. But if you stay there long enough, eventually, if you don't come out, it will become a grave. You will die spiritually there. Spiritually, some people are already there. And we're going to have a resurrection service in a little bit. But some of you are there. You're literally, you've been in your cave so long, it's become a grave. You are the walking dead. That's what I almost called this service was the walking dead. Some of you are spiritual zombies. How much longer until Jesus comes back? Take me home. You know what I mean? Every service about heaven, you're praying it comes today because this is hell on earth. You think the promised land is heaven. The promised land is overcoming on earth. Can I get a big amen for that? God's trying to teach you something in the here and now. Then you'll appreciate the hereafter. But God's trying to teach you how to overcome. Overcome doesn't mean everything's hunky-dory. You know, when it rains, you, you, you miss all the raindrops. No, it rains on the just and the unjust. You cannot bounce around all the raindrops and not get hit. You're going to get wet sometimes. And there's not an umbrella big enough for you, honey, in your hair. Okay? Get over it. So if you carry that unforgiving spirit, that unforgiving attitude, listen, 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 listen. If your mouth becomes filled with bitterness, envy, jealousy, unforgiveness, the mouth speaks what the heart believes. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this is an indicator what you are saying if you are living in a cave. If you settled into a cave. If you were, if you were recording your voice, would you like to go to sleep with that, with that at night? Would you like to play that for someone? Hey, I've got some encouragement for you. You could read the Psalms or you could listen to me. Either one, it's going to be great. 
Because if that's not true, if it is not useful, edifying, builds up according to Ephesians chapter 4, then I'm saying to you, whoever you are, believer or not, you're living in a cave. You're a cave dweller. You're, You're living in a cave. That's where it shows up. And it becomes a grave to the purpose of God, the plan of God. It can short-circuit it. It can stop it. The relationships that God has for you. Some of you, oh, I want to have some great relationships. Come out of the cave. You're wearing cave clothes. You're you're a zombie. Nobody wants to marry a zombie. That's not attractive. When you're not godly, you're not attractive to the right people who you want so badly. You've You've got to be walking in the light, as he is in the light, you can't be walking in the darkness and expect to get light to come hang out with you. Mm, turn to your neighbor saying, he is upset. <laughs> I'm really not. Okay. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 3 and following, Obadiah feared God. Now, Obadiah was a godly man. He was a believer. That's what the Bible's telling us. And the Bible says in the time when Jezebel was ki- killing all these prophets... That Obadiah, one who feared God, he went and did something that I think we do sometimes. When there's attack, when there's frustration, when there's difficulty, when there's opposition. And it says that Ahab called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. And now Obadiah heard what was going to happen, but he feared the Lord greatly. So he's a believer. And by the way, believers, clearly we can see from this, and I can show you other places, believers can live in caves. I'm not talking about people who don't know better. People who don't know better... You know, uh, it's understandable why they do what they do. But God's looking at us and saying, hey, what are you doing? So Obadiah believed God. It says, for it, so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hid, hidden them 50 to a cave. And then he fed them with bread and water. Okay, so here's what's going on. In a time culturally when the voice of the Lord needs to be heard strong, not by one but by many, Obadiah responds to what's happening circumstantially in his life. And he says, oh, we got to get everybody into hiding. I'm going to put 50 over here. I'm going to put 50 over there. Because everybody's being killed off. See, there's a, listen, listen, listen. There's a, I am, Pastor, I am. Stop saying that. There's a Jezebel spirit in the world today still. It's not a physical Jezebel. There's a Jezebel spirit. And what's the Jezebel spirit trying to do? Stifle the voice of the Lord. Quench the spirit of God. Try to get people to be quiet. Shh, don't say anything. We, we don't talk like that. We, we don't pray in public. Everybody would think we're wackos. Everybody would think we're kooky for Cocoa Puffs. Everybody would think, you know what I mean, we're crazy Christians. No, no, where would you get that? Maybe it's going to be a testimony. Maybe it's going to open doors. Maybe people ask conversations. Maybe, that's just love. I wish I saw more of that in the world today. Who knows what would happen? But people are trying to be quiet. And so believers, and in this particular text, the preachers, and this is happening all over the country today, preachers are being silenced by culture, silenced by a Jezebel media, silenced by these spirits that are trying to get us to be quiet. Now, I'm not trying to get you to riot. I believe that you can love well and still hold the line in the culture that we live in today. It's possible. Truth and grace can coexist. I'm not giving up on the both coming together, amen? We're not called to make points. We're called to make a difference. But we're not supposed to retreat in relationship with people who don't believe like us. We're supposed to lean in. We're actually supposed to lead in the culture that we're in. But the enemy's trying to get us to be quiet. So in the middle of that, God always does something. He puts an Elijah spirit on somebody or he sends an Elijah. So Elijah comes on the scene. 
Elijah comes in and says, what are you guys doing in the cave? They're like, shh, shh, be quiet, Jezebel. She'll, she'll exploit us. She'll make fun of us. She'll start telling everybody in the neighborhood, all oh, those Christians over there, I don't know about them. She's going she's gonna to say some things. She's going to make it hard for your kids at school. She's going to make it so hard for you at work. Jezebel, Jezebel, Jezebel. That's what happens. And Elijah's like, what are you doing? I don't know about you, but I'm going to confront these. Pro- now, he was unorthodox. He went about it different than we would today. But he's, I'm going to confront these 400 prophets of Baal and meet me at Mount Carmel. He issues a challenge. And this is what God does then and today. It's just more, it's different in how it is demonstrated. But he answers by fire. Amen. By fire. See, we, we want God to show up and show off, but we won't step out and step up. We love, oh, my God, he's mighty. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty. Choo! And then we take off and we hide in caves. We run. We run. Somebody else can pray. Somebody else can say that. Somebody else can, can respond to that. Not me. No, 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 that's not my job. Shh, we're hiding. We're hiding. We're killing rabbits. <laughs> Just seeing if you're paying attention. So Elijah had a different mindset. Elijah knew and understood that a preacher or a Christian who is silent is a dead Christian. Just zombies. We're in caves killing rabbits. See, we can't afford sometimes, sometimes to be diplomatic that we don't sometimes disturb our generation. But I can tell you what, it starts in the local church first. Sometimes we have to shake it up here. We have to start here. So Elijah, he's unorthodox, you know, and he has this, he has this prayer, and he calls fire. Fire comes down from heaven. You know the story. It consumes the altar that was saturated, and, and, and these 400 prophets were, were, were annihilated, and, 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 and a revival begins through this Elijah spirit. I just want you to catch a little bit of that today. And Elijah's spirit, that you believe God again to do something great. I want you to believe God. He can do something great through you, that your days aren't over. Your best days are ahead. You're not called to just take, take up space and abuse God's grace and just be a waste in whatever rhyme I could say. <laughs> so God answers by fire. And the cave can be an attitude, by the way. It can be intimidation, intimidation. Something in you, when something that is opposing you, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be retreated, it should be bow up. Protect your brothers and sisters. If somebody says something bad about them, you know, stand up for your local church. Stand up for your spouse. Stand up for your child. Stand up for other men and women of God. Stand up for the, the, the church at large and what God is up to. These prophets were afraid and intimidated, and many here and not here and listening online are just like them. And it's time to come out of that fear, intimidation, rejection, depression, sidelined and sidetracked. Because that prison can become your grave. Number three, here's another one. Caves will poison your purpose with contentment. Caves poison purpose 
with contentment. Now Moses, you guys know, was a great man of God. Probably in the Bible did some of the greatest exploits next to Jesus. We celebrate him all the time. But before Moses had his encounter with God, he fell prey to the poison of contentment. Moses was really called at an early age. He saw and felt something at an early age. Sometimes you don't know what your calling is, but maybe you need to see the things that you're passionate about and that move you, maybe even to anger, and you need to turn that and sanctify that into a righteous indignation. But Moses was angry that the Egyptians, an Egyptian was being beaten. And as a result of that situation, it was a defining moment in his life, he defended the Egyptian, and ulti- the, the Israelite a Hebrew, and he ultimately killed the Egyptian. Was that the right thing to do? No. But then the enemy whispers in his ear, look what you've done. You crazy. You, you're going you're to pay dearly for this. And then externally, you know, all kinds of uh, opposition came his way. Ultimately, he is exiled. Can you see how the enemy sometimes recognizes your purpose better than you do? The enemy's not omniscient, but he's intelligent. And so he saw, if, if Moses, if I don't hit Moses hard right here, he's going to be a deliverer of God's people. And some of you have had these moments in your life where your destiny and this defining moment are, are, are walking this sharp razor's edge. And you think it's over. No, it was just getting ready to start. But you interpreted the situation wrong and you listened to the voices in a cave. You listened to something else. And what happens in that cave is over time, you begin to drink the poison of contentment. And so Moses leaves. He goes into the wilderness and becomes a cave dweller, a shepherd for 40 years. And over time, he's just, I know God wanted to do something, but I have a hard time believing it. I don't think it's now. Another year has gone by. Uh, Yeah, maybe I should go back, but no, I'm not going to go back. And year after year after year after year. And he drank the poison of contentment. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 21, it says, Then Moses was content to live there. He surrendered. He gave up. And the reason I share this with you is because that's what some of you are doing right now. Yeah, I'm coming for you. Yeah, yeah, that's what this is. This is some of you are content where you are. Contentment and comfort. It's a poison. You need to see it as insidious. God wants you to live a purpose-filled life The most satisfying, fulfilling place for you is not cold, it's not warm, it's on fire for God. It's on fire for God. Some of you need to get on fire for God again, but you're satisfied. Oh, I'm just good. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. You know, after all, I served the Lord for many, many years. I served the Lord for many, many years. You know how many times I've been to church, Pastor? If I took, you know, a record of how many times I've been to church, oh, it would just be so many. I bet it's even more than you. Okay, well, good for you. Good for you, church lady. Good for you, church man, whatever you call yourself. Listen, I, I, you know what? I used to do this, and I used, I used to be a giver. I, oh, I gave so much to the local church. When did giving become something you do once and then stop? Giving is a lifestyle. It is not an event right? Oh, you know what? I, I mean, I, 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 I'm satisfied just to go to church now, and I'm just good with that. I'm okay with that. That's just kind of where I'm at right now. I don't want to get involved any more than that. Contentment. Contentment. Poison of... I put my shoes up. I'm retired. I've had people tell me that to my face. And I'm looking at them like, come here, come here, come here. 
get out of here. That's what I want to do. I'm going to go Italiano on them. And yeah. what? Moses said, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to bring peace and unity to the people. And, and nothing happens. See, just before his cave becomes a grave, this is what's so cool. And this is what's happening to you right now. God lit him up. He lit him up. He, he comes and he initiates to Moses. And he starts, he starts to talk to Moses in the most unusual way. That's the message of the burning bush. That God, if you're watching, paying attention, in the middle of your cave, he'll try to speak to you in the most unusual way. Unique way. He's not going to do it the same time, the same way, over and over again. By the way, that's religion. And I'm not signing up for that. So he's not going to do, he spoke to Moses in a burning bush. I need to go find me a burning bush to talk to. Well, you're going to get locked up. And don't come back to this church next weekend either because I don't want any attention for that. Okay? But Moses talked to a bush. You got to know it's God. But after that, he didn't talk to him. He didn't go, oh, you go back to the bush tomorrow and spend some more time with God. No. He went to a mountain and God spoke through thunder and lightning. And by the way, when everybody else was staying behind, Moses went ahead. And he is looking for people in this house, in this time, in this place, who will go to God, not run from God. Who will get out of the cave and go after God instead of stay behind in the cave playing it safe. Can I have an amen? amen. And that's what he did. He came out of the cave, and you need to come out of the cave, some of you. Some of you have been in the cave 20 years, 25 years, 10 years, 5 years, 6 months. It's time. You, you need to listen to what I'm saying. This, is, this isn't me. I don't like this. I like to like people. I like people to like me. I'm just telling you, come out of the cave. Come out of the cave of failure. Come out of the cave of regret. Come out of the cave of rejection. Come out of the cave of cynicism, of analysis, paralysis, spiritually, whatever it is. Get over it. Get over yourself. Make a decision. Your muscle, your spiritual muscle is your will. You can decide to do that. Are you getting the overwhelming point today, by the way? Here's three ways to get out of the cave, okay? Because the pain of the past, God will never speak. Listen, he never speaks to the pain of your past. He always speaks to the, it, the power is in the possibilities in your future. It's always in that, okay? So here's three ways to get out of the cave, and I'm so far over. Realize Jesus came to empty caves. Jesus came from heaven to earth, and he started first with emptying caves, he went into people's lives, and you're sick, you're dejected, you're, you're, you had a problem over here, whatever circumstantially is going over there, he healed, he healed, he healed, he healed, he healed, he healed. That's what he was doing. He was meeting everybody in their, at their cave level. That's why he did, that's why he came, to set captives free, get them out of the caves. One of his best friends, Lazarus, and by the way, you're his friend, and if he would get his friend out of a cave, he'd get you and me out of a cave. So I don't care what cave you're in. Jesus came to empty caves. And Jesus saw Lazarus, uh, heard about Lazarus being dead three days. He was, he was bound hand and feet. And, uh, and, and he stinketh. And so they closed the cave, the, the cave with a stone. They rolled a stone over the cave. That's what you call signed, sealed, delivered, right? <laughs> And it says, Jesus came to that cave, and it says, groaning in himself. 
And I was reading this and I was like, that's exactly what he's doing with me sometimes. That's what he's doing with you sometimes. He's sitting outside your cave. Oh, are you, uh, do you have, a, you, you have a plan, but you're just going to stay there? See, Jesus won't come into the cave, but he will call you out of it. Amen. You have to decide to respond to the voice of God. He's not going to come into that dark cave, but he is going to stand outside and say, friend, come on out of there. And some of you, you need to understand, he's outside, he's groaning. Please, for the love of Moses, Lot, Gideon, I mean, you name it, come out. Now I'm talking to Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. Some of you, he's, he's, he's outside your cave right now, calling you out. He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And whatever audience is listening online, you that are listening in this room, maybe that's the word of the Lord for you. Come out of the cave of your past. Live in the present and the future. Don't live in fear and failure and all those unforgiveness and brokenness and all of that. And, and victimization, the spirit of victimization, be broken over this church in Jesus' name. What gives you the right to say that because the power of Christianity comes, the transformation of Christianity comes because Jesus didn't stay in a cave himself. That's where the power comes from. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, this preaching would be useless if he didn't rise from the grave and come out of a cave. Is everybody with me? I decree that your cave days are over. Your cave dwelling days are over. Number three, remember Jesus overcame the grave. Jesus overcame the grave. Jesus went into the cave a dead man. That means he can relate to what it feels like to be a zombie, to be dead. He, 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 but he didn't stay dead. Some of you have to decide, I don't, I'm not going to stay dead. I'm not going to stay where I am. Some of you, again, you've got, you've got to get out of this zombie mentality spiritually. You're slithering around from event to event and from day to day and from weekend to weekend and from podcast to podcast, but you're still the walking dead spiritually. Yes, you want to be dead in your sins and trespasses, but you want to be alive in Christ and purpose and significance. Jesus overcame death in the grave. Revelation tells us, and the living one, that is Jesus, was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death in Hades. In other words, whatever you're experiencing that you think you can't overcome, that's why Jesus went and overcame the grave. And he's got the keys to whatever it is that you don't think you can overcome. He has the keys to that. It's only in Jesus that you can overcome your cave-dwelling days. Can I have an Amen. In the Old Testament, there's this character, and I'm going to finish with this particular insight and story. And his name is Gideon. You guys, again, know who he is. But what you don't sometimes remember and see how it relates to you, and it definitely relates to me, is that Gideon was a timid um, young man. He didn't believe in himself. He was incredibly insecure. He was incredibly uh, uh, fearful, uh, a lot of trepidation, let's just say, in his life. And, and what's cool about God is that and this is the encouragement, is that though you can be in a cave, God will always speak to you while you're in your cave. He'll speak to you in the cave. And so he spoke to Gideon while he was in a cave. He didn't speak to Gideon once he's successful, once he has tons of money, once he's like grown up and, and worked through some situations in your life. No, he spoke to Gideon while he was in a cave, as a cave dweller. I love that about God. 
He tells us things and he whispers in our ear about the purposes and plan and the greatness of God when we're in our darkest hour and sometimes our darkest places. He says to Gideon, Judges 6, 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, look at this, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. <laughs> Hashtag what? He, he was anything but a mighty man of valor at that moment. I want you to know this as an encouragement. Now, well, you know, I, I got to work some stuff out. You'll never be able to work it out until, on the outside, until you accept the word of the Lord on the inside. The word is like a seed, and it will, it, will, it will implode. It will germinate inside of you if you accept the truth of God's word and exalt it above what you think and establish an Elijah mindset. You can overcome. That's what starts the fire. That's what starts the, the fire burning again in your life. And he believed that. Something happened to to, to Gideon in that moment. And, and, and some of you need that word because sometimes when you're getting all the words you're getting from hell, sometimes you need a word from heaven. This is a word from heaven for some of you. And so he gets down on Gideon's level and he says, in so many words, Gideon, you're a big deal. You're a big deal, buddy. Huh? Giddy up, Gideon. Giddy up. It's time to giddy up. And so he does. And he goes and he tries to rally the troops and see who will listen. Who in the audience will respond to this word? Who will respond to the word of the Lord? And he realizes that so many wouldn't because they're going to stay afraid. And they're going to stay in their cave. And they're going to stay dejected. And so all he has is 300 that would say yes. 300. I hope you're one of those 300. Not that it's a literal number, but I hope you're part of that. And, and, and. Uh, God speaks to him in that situation, and he speaks through him. And this is what was so cool. It just added to, this, to the power of this particular story. And this is number three. You can write this down, and I'll unpack it. Repeat the spoken word. Repeat the spoken word. Remember, Jesus came to empty caves. Realize he overcame the grave, and repeat the spoken word. God said something to these, to these people. He said, listen, to, he said to, through Gideon, he said, listen, I want you to take a lamp... I want you to take a torch, and I want you to take a trumpet. And when I tell you, I want you to crack that lamp. I want you to light that torch, that glass thing. I want you to light that torch, and I want you to blow that trumpet. When I tell you, I want you to do that. Okay, okay, okay. That's what I want to do. And this is how you're going to defeat your enemies. This is how you're going to overcome the circumstances that oppose you in your life. This is how you're going to face the giants in your life. This is how you're going to overcome your past failures, your past problems and situations. You do this. Okay, okay, okay. Judges 7 says this. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp. And this is what I want you to say when you do that. The sword of the Lord and Gideon. What? I was reading that. I was like, the sword of the Lord? Gideon doesn't even have a sword. He has, a, he's got a, a lamp, he's got a torch, and he's got a trumpet, and God's saying, yell this, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And what you need to understand, that these cave dwellers who had said yes to God, who responded to the word of the Lord, had come forth. They're listening to the instructions. They knew in their culture that a sword was, a two-edged sword was the word of God. A double-edged sword was the word of God. We know this from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. But there's an Old Testament thing right here that talks about this as well. Because in that culture, the word of God was a two-edged sword. But here's how it works. When it goes out of God's mouth, that is a sword with one edge. 
But when it comes out of your mouth, that is a sword with two edges. Let's let's listen. In other words, you can internalize the word of God, but to have the double power, the double anointing, the anointing to come over and overcome the problems and situations in your life. You can't just hide it in your heart. You have to speak it out over your life. You have to declare it over your situation. You have to say it and you have to spray it and you have to spit it and you have to spew it. This is the Holy Ghost zone right here. And so you declare it. That's what makes it a two-edged sword. God said it, I say it, and that will settle it. Is everybody with me? That's what happens. This is the power of confession. Confession isn't go to a priest and just tell him all your sins, although that's a principle that we see in God's word where you confess one to another. But confession is when you say what God says. It's to agree with God and put that above whatever else you're seeing. So I want a new tape and a new script that you can play over your life. But you have to affirm yourself. You have to speak over your situation the word of God. The word of God says there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. The word of God says I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The word of God that says I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. The word of God says greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The word of God says I am blessed and highly favored. The word of God is there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And all these things I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me and gave himself for me. Nothing can separate me from the love of God to them that are in Christ Jesus. He's not given me a spirit of fear or timidity but a power, love, and a sound mind. So when you get up and you begin to say out those things over your situation, you start coming out of the cave. You start overcoming the graves of your life. You stop walking like a dead person or a zombie in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for his word. Amen. Amen. So listen, it's the sword of the Lord and then you put your name in. It's the sword of the Lord and Derek. It's the sword of the Lord and Pastor Mark. It's the sword of the Lord and Coach Jerry. It's the sword of the Lord and Devin. It's the sword of the Lord and Jonathan. It's the sword of the Lord and Ray. You need to understand your role in the process of coming out of your cave. I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you because we're not done yet. <clears throat> you might be here and you're like, this service is nuts. Good. Then I did my job. This is, what I want, this is what I want you to do. I don't want anybody looking around right now because we're going to have a holy moment. And I'm asking nobody to leave, nobody to move. We're not locking doors or anything crazy like that. But I'm just asking you to just give God a minute. I'd like you to close your eyes so that you're not looking at others. You're looking at your own heart right now. Right now, you're looking at your heart. Don't walk out of here the same. I beg you. Like God sitting outside the cave groaning for his friend Lazarus. I'm sitting outside some of y'all's cave and I'm groaning for you to respond. And, and, and the first step to overcoming darkness is to, is to run to the light. Is to run to the light. I was looking up the scripture this morning in John chapter 1 verse 5. It popped out at me and it, and it, and it, says, it says it like this. Just be listening. Eyes closed. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There is no darkness that cannot be overcome by light, but you have to run to the light. And I want you to know something, sir, ma'am, boy or girl, the light is Jesus Christ who came into the world, according to John chapter 1. 
the light is Jesus Christ. And some, the Bible says in John chapter 3, prefer darkness over the light. Please don't be that person that prefers darkness over light. Say yes to Jesus. And so if you're here today and you've never responded out with your mouth what you said you believe in your heart. I understand. Oh, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe he rose on the third day. In your head... But have you, from your heart, confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord? If that's you today and you've never done that, I'm going to ask you, right in your seat, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm going to ask you, right in your seat, to raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Go ahead, raise it up nice and high. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God bless you. God bless you. That's awesome. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am, over there. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody else I'm missing? Good and high. I don't want to miss you. I wanna, I'm going to see your face. Good. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, ma'am. I see that hand over there on the left. Yes, sir. I see that hand over on the far left side. Thank you. Thank you. That's so good. Okay, church, join these others and say this prayer. We're coming for you in just a second. Those that just raise your hand, say this. Say, Jesus, I am coming to you of my own volition and free will. I invite the light of Jesus Christ into my life. I pronounce today, I confess today, Jesus is Lord. I'm a sinner. You saved me by your grace, and I accept that. Now, Father, I pray for every person that prayed that prayer. Something happened on the inside of them right now. Darkness is exposed and expelled and expunged from their life. Light has come into their life. Their soul now is saved. Their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And for that, we rejoice.